Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey guys, Kristen here with the Home Girls. Um, today we are going to talk about scarcity again. Um, we are getting to the end of the second quarter of 2020, and we've had some interesting things happen in the last couple of months. So the girls and I figured that we need to touch back on scarcity again to see um, how we're dealing with it and how you guys are dealing with it. So, okay, girls, tell us. How has your last couple of months gone? <laughs> um, it's been wild for me to say the least. And I think that it's been that way for everybody. Um, I think that I, I feel like I did a pretty good job not getting into scarcity at the beginning of the whole coronavirus situation because like I was just locked down on my mindset being I can survive and thrive in any market and I don't really care what happens. And so I feel like I did a really good job keeping myself in a really positive place. I feel like it kind of started to affect me more towards, like I want to say the end, even though it's not the end, but you know, later into the whole coronavirus scare because like is something that feels like it's not going to end or be over for a while. And the initial effects, like it, you know, something happens and then it always takes a little while for the effect of that to catch up. And so I'm really honestly starting to see the effect of it now. So like we've all been joking, we've been calling it the great pause that happened like in April and in into the first week of May, because in Colorado, we were shut down and we couldn't show any houses. And so the market literally just totally stopped. I mean, there was no market in the month of April and in the probably first week of May. Um, but like now I feel like I'm seeing the effects more than I was. And now I feel like I'm struggling with my mindset a little bit more because now I feel like, oh my God, this is going to last for a while. And the deals are tougher. The agents are harder to deal with right now. I mean, it, it feels hard out there. Like, I feel like I'm rolling that ball up the hill all day long and I get two feet up the hill and then something happens and it goes all the way back to the bottom. And then I got to start and roll the stupid ball back up the hill. So like I would, I'm not in, I guess I, I'm in scarcity a little bit right now, but it's tough. Like, I feel like I'm in battle mode right now and I don't like it. What about you guys? Jess, you go next. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's been, I think exactly what Lindsay said, like it's been a constant mindset battle. And again, like at the beginning of this, I think we rolled out our coronavirus podcast and pivot and whatever we did before anyone else did. And so I feel like the four of us have been almost dealing with it longer than a lot of people have. And maybe that so sounds a little self-righteous, but I feel like we saw the writing on the wall 
the last week of February, first week of March. And I feel like the four of us pivoted and moved on from this very quickly. And now it's like, okay, like I'm done. We did what we were supposed to do. We followed instructions and I just want work to go back right. to normal. Uh -huh. Well, I think that there's also like, and I'm not even sure how to explain the way that I feel about this and because I don't want to use the word excuse because I'm not excusing myself, but it felt like in the height of it and when we were on that great pause, it was a little bit easier to get our clients to understand what was happening because it was so overwhelming and so dramatic versus now it feels like it's starting to kind of trickle off, but it's still having lingering effects on the market. And I think that the market is going to balance and shift for sure. Um, but now we don't have this excuse again, not, I hate that word, but we don't but have this excuse. Well, showings can't happen. Well, everybody's on lockdown. Well, people aren't at work. You know, we can't leave our houses. Like it was a heck of a lot easier to deal with expectations with people when it was very clear what was happening. And now I think everybody's like waiting for stuff to just pop back up. And I'm not sure that it's going to. And now people are really panicking. So to me, the emotional height of it is happening now versus back then. Yeah. Well, I think like the other piece of this for me, that was almost, and this is going to sound again, like a little egotistical and bitchy. I think one of the funniest things to me that happened mm -hmm. when we were shut down was I think the four of us went, okay, we're shut down. It is what it is, right? Like we're going to do what we can to service our clients. Lindsay and I had mm -hmm. listing appointments via Zoom. We had fire consultations via Zoom. We did what we could, right? And then you have the other side of agents who are screaming about I'm not essential. I can't believe, how am I supposed to earn a living? And I just, I'm watching these Facebook posts and I'm like, bitch, you haven't closed a deal in two years. Like why all of a sudden are you essential? And so it, it, to me, and I'm using this as the example, because to me, it also was another way that you're separating the producing agents from the not producing agents. The producing agents took a deep breath and went, okay, this is the way it is. I'm going to spend some time padlocking my business or reaching out to my clients just to see what their needs are. And then you have this other section of agents that were literally freaking out about being called non-essential. And the rest of us were going, it is what it is. We'll, we'll deal with it. Our, you know, we've got money and savings. We'll spend time with our yeah. kids. We'll work on some other things. So that was another interesting piece for me that came out of this was just yet again, another way that there was this kind of divide between the producing and the non-producing agents. Well, I think, okay. I think the producers were just like, let's just keep going and we'll figure it out. And everybody else was like, Oh shit, what do we do? I guess we'll wait. And we weren't waiting and their clients weren't waiting. And they were seeing that some agents are working obviously, because they're following a lot of people on social media and they're seeing, Oh, these people are working. We should probably call them because I think our agent's taking off or something for like the summer. Um, and that's why all of our business got crazy. I think the four of us have probably done way more business than we probably even really wanted to. Not that there's anything wrong with wanting to do more, but I think that we are probably all a little burnt out right now. <laughs> 
Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Do you, I don't know if you guys know this story, but I had an agent who reached out to me and told me I was irresponsible for listing properties during COVID and told me that she was disappointed in me that I was continuing to work. And I was like, my bills still have to get paid girl. Like yeah. then fast forward, what was it like two or three weeks later, she messaged me asking for a job. Yeah. And she's still messaging Jess too. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Are you guys having, oh, sorry, Kristen, go ahead. No, it's okay. Like, so it just basically what Jess said, it, it tells you that any line of work that you're in, you should always have a savings. You should always have something to back yourself in because this whole crisis, this whole, whatever's going on in the world right now shows you that you can't depend on other people to tell you if you can work or not, because obviously look what happened. People shut it, people shut you down and you need to have savings to keep you going. So what do you think is a safe amount, Kristen? You know, I don't know that number, but what I would say personally is for us and my family and the lifestyle that I want to live, I know the amount that I have to have monthly to live the lifestyle I want and to put food on my table. So I would say to have whatever it is monthly that you need to live the lifestyle you want plus five months, six uh -huh. months. That's what I would say because you never know, you know, or, or sit back and say, okay, I don't have to live this lifestyle, but I need this X amount to put food on my table and to pay my bills the shelter plus six months. That's what I would say. But who knows what that number is? You, mm -hmm. you hear people say a year's worth. You see people say a six months worth. I say whatever it takes for your family to live on monthly times that by five. You know? Yeah, I agree. We keep six months at all times and then we keep the rest of it in investments, but right. we keep six months liquid just in case in savings. Right. So it's easy to get to if something happens. Right. Going back to the whole scarcity thing, I'm just going to say this, which is like way going out there, but I'm just going to say it because I feel like after we talked about this the last time around, a lot of people commented saying like, oh my God, I didn't realize finger quotes, top producers, which like I even hate that term, but that they still have the same fears that I do starting out or being newer in the business. So like I have always had it in the back of my mind if my real estate career failed and the shit really, really hit the fan and stuff got real, real bad. I'd like DoorDash or I'd go back to working in restaurants. Cause like I served in restaurants the whole way through high school and college. But this time I like that. I'm not joking, even though it's hilarious and everybody's going to laugh at me and I'm laughing at myself. That's what gave me the biggest panic attack of all this time around. I was like, Oh my God, the restaurants are closed. Like I don't even have a backup. <laughs> There's not even a fallback now. No, there's, I can't even go work at McDonald's. Like I, so I was mega panicking about that for a minute there. So when we talked mm -hmm. about scarcity back in January before COVID happened, I think we all had, so I'm trying to remember exactly what our numbers were. I think Kristen said 80 units, Angela said 125, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly, Lindsay, you were 75. No, I think I said 150. <laughs> Did you? 
Oh, well then I, okay, then. I like 75 of, better. Three out of four ain't bad, girls. <laughs> well, then I had said, 75. I had said 50. So halfway through the year, do we know, like, where are you guys at? Oh my God. So like, I was just looking over my numbers Monday, I think. And coming into 2020, I was so excited. Like our first quarter, we rocked it. We hit 21 transactions. We were doing so good. And then COVID hit and I was like, okay, COVID hit. Like we've got the pipeline. Everything's good. Like we could probably still hit our numbers. Yeah. For this. And then COVID hit. (laughs) And then COVID really hit. And it took it. We're supposed to close about 20 units every quarter. And our second quarter we closed, we're going to close 12 which it's still not bad. You know, like we, we did it. it. Things happened. It got pushed back. You know, we had buyers who did lose their jobs. We had sellers that had to wait because their jobs, you know, they couldn't move because of their jobs. Like, so I get it. Like it happened, you know, so our second quarter is not that great, but I will say that our pipeline is starting to come back and it's, it's, it's like Lindsay said in the beginning, like it's even scarier now. Like pre-COVID, there was literally no inventory. Now, coming out of COVID, I guess you could say, there's literally no inventory. And our buyers now can't find anything, nothing. So it's like pulling teeth again. I feel like we're back a couple of years ago where we're doing multiple offers and not getting properties. It's, it's getting frustrated again. You girls? I mean, I'm, I'm doing way different than I thought I would be right now. I don't know how it happens. Um, I guess maybe what I've been doing um, and consistency is finally paying off maybe. Um, but right now with what I have in the pipeline, um, I'm at 56. And my June, um, when I get back, I'm on vacation now. Well, it's not really vacation, but um, I'm out of town right now. So when I get back. <laughs> Um, the rest of my June, I should be able to make up the difference. And I think that I'm on pace to hit my goal for the year. So um, I'm at 56 now and I plan on getting at least another 12 more in uh, June. So I think that I'll be okay. Uh, I shifted my business a little bit, you know, when things were on the downturn and people were all sitting around and not sure what to do. I wasn't. Um, I was starting more businesses, hiring more people, um, trying to create more leverage for me and my clients. Um, so I capitalized when other people were resting on their laurels and, and I decided that I would figure out how to bust my ass even more and get more leverage. And that's what we did. And it seems to have paid off or at least is paying off now. Um, so that's been great. Um, a little scary. I made a really big hire, um, while I've been away. Um, so I made a really big hire, my first huge expense. Um, I shut my, my company down, um, in our brick and mortar location and shifted our business to, um, more virtual. And that saved me quite a bit per month. So I took that money and I put it into a person. Um, and so I'm hopeful that that person will help me grow my business. So that's what we've done. That's how we've started the shift. And, um, instead of doing, you know, one flip at a time, I'm an idiot, um, and a glutton for punishment and decided to do six and seven at a time. Um, so I'm taking the money that I had and I'm using that to leverage my business. So doing things that other realtors won't or can't do, um, is kind of how I've built my business and we've just figured out more ways to do that. So, 
So how did you decide? I mean, hold on, let me think how I want to ask this. <laughs> what is your biggest goal with this person that you've hired? Like, what does that look like? Um, in December, when we revisit what's happened over the last six months with this person, what's the biggest goal that you have for you, your business and this person? Freedom for me to go do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, she's similar enough in personality to me that I think that she'll be a good person. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a title for her actually. So if anybody wants to help out with that. The only mm -hmm. thing I've come up with that's even remotely close is consecutive. I can't even say it, um, consigliere. Um, so that's uh, like third in charge. She's not a realtor. She doesn't want to be, um, but she knows a heck of a lot about, um, you know, <laughs> job site, um, ma maintenance, um, dealing with contractors, making sure things are done on time, negotiations. Um, she's pretty no bullshit just like me. So she's going to do some TC work for me on the side. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, it's basically the one person that I found in town that's similar enough to me that I can work with without wanting to kill them. So, um, that's been a challenge to find that person. And finally finding that person, there's freedom that comes with that and a lot less stress, you know, like driving out here and not worrying, um, about my business is something that I've never been able to do before. And I've had a big company before and I've had other people in charge, but I haven't had this feeling of, weight lifted off my shoulders like I do now so I think that's worth its weight in gold and I don't care how much you have to pay for that freedom but it's worth it I like that I love that um Kristen you hired too during all this right we did but we hired in the in the property management side so mm -hmm. um I, I know you guys have heard this in the past but 2019 was a really scary year for Eric and I we got too lazy and didn't have a great year um and so we came into 2020 thinking that we can do both our property management and our sales side with virtually no assistance. I mean, we do have an office manager that does run our books for the property management side, and we do have an assistant that helps her um, with drive-bys and stuff. But our property management company just kept getting busier and busier and just crazier and crazier. And um, Justin Nelson with his uh, virtual assistance company, um, we decided to poke at that and see how that would help, help us with that. And they found us two amazing virtual assistants and we've had them for two weeks now going on three and you guys, oh my God, like that has taken so much pressure off of Eric's shoulders. Cause he's the one that usually runs our property management company. It's taken so much off of Eric. It's taken so much off of our office staff on that side. It's ridiculous. So I'm over here thinking that I can do 80 transactions by myself for 2020. And then as soon as COVID hit and it's kind of put a break on some of my transactions. And now I'm seeing those transactions build up again for the rest of the year. I feel like it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse. I'm starting to think of maybe hiring a virtual assistant for myself to help me out because wow, his company and what they have done for our property management is amazing. It's, it's been great. I feel like he needs to do like a um, virtual uh, tutor program for if our kids don't go back to school. Um, <laughs> and we can just like put them right in front there and let that happen. Um, right? so we'll, get, we'll get Justin on that. Right? We should. We should. Um, okay, so I want to talk about scarcity in a different way. So like 
I feel like I'm even hearing a change from four out of four of us right now from where we were at last year or even in the beginning of the year, which was if we were in scarcity, it was about growing our businesses and leveraging because we were all in this place where we were like, oh, we're a little bit burned out. We're not sure what we want to do next. Like I myself was like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to live a little bit more life. But like, look at all four of us having hired a leverage piece. So like what happened during COVID? Like, do you think that it was just that we got to live a little bit of a taste of a real life? I got to reorganize our priorities. Like clearly something happened with the four of us that we all decided to put in some leverage pieces. So like for me, a huge piece of it for me has been honestly spending time with all of these people that we talk to on these podcasts. I, I think out of the four of us struggle the most with leverage. I, out of the four of us, I think struggle the most with being a control freak. I struggled the most with wanting to grow because I feel like growing impedes on my boundaries and I don't really know how to grow without the bound without screwing up my boundaries. And so it's something I've always really struggled with. So I just have never done it. So each week that we talk to these high level people, like for me, the biggest piece that I've heard through all this is one, they're no different than any of us. They've just leveraged faster and not questioned it. Right. Like that's the big, cause I question everything. And like, these people are like, Oh, well, someone just told me to do that. So I, so I did it. And I'm like, that's bizarre to me, but cool. And then the other piece that I've heard for me specifically, and I think like you hear what you're supposed to hear in this moment. And the biggest piece for me was coaching and getting back to coaching, reading, doing these things that I used to consistently do and genuinely enjoy. So I hired a coach. Um, I deactivated Facebook on my phone for a couple of weeks. Um, and instead of, you know, where I was sitting waiting for someone rather than getting on Facebook, I would open up a book. And so I had like these weird, I think, I don't know if I think like leverage or whatever is the right word, but for me, it was a huge mindset shift around all of this. And I think for me, it's been being on these podcasts with all these badass people. Like, I feel like we've all been coached individually. Right for two hours a day by like these people that you have to pay thousands of dollars to talk to. And these people are like, yeah, I'll come talk to you. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to take total advantage of this. Then. It's almost like the fucking model works. <laughs> I mean, I think like people that actually follow it. Yeah. Well, I think like that's the other piece of it. Like I spend so much of my time, like I'm not doing that. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not going to work past 3.30. Cool. You can do all that stuff with the right people in place to be able to do this. Like my coach yesterday, she said to me, you need to focus on the system, not the person. Like it doesn't matter who you hire. If the system is padlocked to a point where you can put anybody in that role and they should be able to follow the system. And so I was like, yeah, that's, probably like a different viewpoint that I haven't had before. So I think for me, and I'm going to sound like a broken record. So I'm sorry, guys. Again, you guys know that my 2019 was awful. So after 2019 hit, Eric and I really minimized our bills. We went through our expenses and we just took 
everything out. I mean, we went to the bare bones. We got rid of everything. So going into 2020, um, I wanted to go into 2020 not being the top team. I didn't want to be the person that did so many transactions. It's almost like people started looking at you like, well, why didn't you do that much deals? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And coming off of being a big team and then having an awful year, I wanted to go into 2020 just chill. You know, we got rid of all these bills. Let's live life. Just be chill. And then that switched at the beginning of uh, 2020. We, uh, we did 21 transactions and I was like, okay, 21 transaction transactions. We're going to have a badass year. I'm going to keep going. This is going to be great. We're going to be a top team. And I started to get that big head again. And then COVID kicked in and like grabbed me by the balls and said, no, you're not. And you know, what's funny about that is I'm okay with that. COVID hit and said, okay, Kristen, sit down. You're not going to have a big head. You're not going to have that many transactions. You're not going to have that big volume. You're going to chill out and you're going to go the rest of the year chill. And it made me realize with this COVID and staying home is I can still pay my bills. I'm hanging, excuse me, I'm hanging out with my kid whenever I want. We're doing projects at home. We're cleaning the house. We're doing so much. And I sat back and I'm thinking, I don't have to be the top team. I don't have to be that person that does 5 million transactions. I don't have to be that team that does $5 million or 20 million or 30 million. I need to do what I want to do for my family and my sanity. So COVID hit and grabbed me by the balls again and said, sit down, Kristen, deal with your family, put yourself in savings and go from there. That's what COVID did for me. Jess and I had this conversation the other day because we were talking about um, getting ready to have this talk about scarcity today. And she said to me, she was like, do you even know where you're at for numbers this year? And for the first time in my whole life, I was like, I have no idea. I just know that my bills are paid. I, I don't care. Yeah. I just, what really annoys me about our real estate industry is how many transactions are you doing? How much, how much volume did you do? Oh, you're not top five anymore. Oh, you're not top 10 anymore. Oh, you're not number one in your market center anymore. What's wrong with you? What happened? Like that literally goes inside me and literally pisses me off. And I've learned that I don't want to be the top team anymore. I don't want to sell more real estate than you or you. I want to sell real estate because number one, I love it. And number two, it feeds my family and lets me live the life that I want to live. You know, I just, all this pressure that people put on you to do all these transactions and to do all this much volume honestly needs to stop. And COVID for me turned that around and said, Kristen, sit down, be humble focus on your family. That's what it did for me. I think a lot of times, um, there's a lot of stress once you've accomplished these crazy goals to keep accomplishing more and more and more and more and more. And there's a level that's set and it's not just, 
set by us, it's set by other realtors, it's set by our community, our clients, but mostly it's inside. Um, you know, I, I envy new realtors quite a bit because they don't have that pressure yet. And this sounds like such a like first world problems type of thing, but it's really a thing, you know, like if you sold 50 last year, that's cute. Next year you should probably sell at least 60, otherwise you're gonna look like you failed. Where does that come from? Right. Probably from us, right? So if we're out there saying, you know, I sold 50 last year and I'm going to sell 50 this year and, or maybe I'm going to sell 30 and I want to spend more time with my family. There should be no stigma attached to that. You know, unless they're paying your bills, their opinion doesn't mean shit. So exactly, exactly. I mean, so I have pretty good goals because they're set by me, but you know, that's, Say I that think again. my own goal Say that again. I said, I dig my own grave with that. I set crazy high goals um, for myself, but that's because I set them. It's not set by anybody else. That's me. How do you feel if you don't hit those goals? Like, what does that look like? <clears throat> I feel like if I don't hit 125 and I hit 123, I sold 123 fucking houses. So just my ass. <laughs> I just feel like, like, it's exactly what Kristen is saying though. Like so many people in this business are defined by units, volume, transactions. I mean, Kristen, you've even been like, even in the last couple of weeks, like there's been a couple of things that have happened. Somebody has texted you or said something or whatever. And I feel like even then, like you have to constantly remind yourself, like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. And sometimes I feel like you say it to us, but you're still trying to convince yourself that you don't give a shit. Cause it's hard. it's hard to come to a place where you're like, I I'm just living my life. Leave me alone. Especially when we are defined by numbers. Right. And like Eric, Eric tells me like last year for 2019, we were no near our numbers. I mean, our numbers were awful for 2019. And then Eric, Eric sits, sits down and he looks at me and he's like, but Kristen, you live the lifestyle you wanted to live. You were at the racetrack every weekend with your kid. There's food on the table. We've got money in the bank. Like who cares if we didn't hit that number? you're alive, you're breathing, and you're living a great life. Who cares? And I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> See, and I think it's funny because like for me, I feel like I'm busier this spring than I've ever been before because we don't have what right now, guys? Baseball. Yeah. And I don't work as much during the spring. Like, so it's been weird for me that like, I actually have like a lot of business right now. And I, I don't even think it's because of COVID. I think it's, it's because I... I'm not making the choice right now that I have to, to go to the, sit at the baseball field, you know, right. Every right. single day. <laughs> right. But I have to stay busy. I think that's part of my issue. Like if I'm slow, it does something to me inside. Like I can't physically sit still. Like if I have free time at all, I have to be doing something. And when the essential, non-essential thing happened, I was like, okay, who's considered essential? construction okay I got this so I shifted my business to doing a lot more construction because I was like I gotta get out of the house or I'm gonna kill somebody um so that's why I ended up doing so many flips is because I was like okay well I'm essential now so I found a way to work around the system so I will tell you there was a couple of times where like you would list a property during all this and it would go under contract like right away and I was like fuck this yeah. because like I can't give away a house in Denver I'm reducing prices. I'm breaking my back. And then Angela is like under contract with multiple offers with no virtual, with no in-person showings. And I was like, how about you go fuck yourself? 
and I did. I fucked myself multiple times. Um, <laughs> you know what I did? I listened to one of our guests, and I started doing video, and I found ways around shit that I normally didn't, and most people were sitting back at home saying, oh, whoa, is me, and I was like, how the fuck do I capitalize on this, because nobody else is working. I got to figure out how I'm going to work um, and take advantage of a situation, and that's what I did. Um, I what was that? I said, I think out of the four of us, I feel like you had the most positive mindset through this. Yeah. Like when we would bitch, you'd be like, okay, cool. Nobody cares. Figure it the fuck out. I got so busy so quickly. I didn't have time to mm -hmm. listen to it. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel like out of the four of us, I feel like Angela, you're the one that like, you don't stress. You don't like, you know what I mean? Like me, if my phone's not ringing for two days straight, I'm freaking out. You're just like, oh, okay, let's go to the next thing. And I'm just like, what? That's when you have leverage, you stress yeah. less. Yeah. <laughs> so I just figured out how to get more leverage. So okay, I took more so do you guys, do you guys all really going backwards? Do you guys all really have six months in reserves in the bank? No bullshit. Yes. I have more than that. Yeah, I have our, our, our business and our household can run for the next five to six months. And then if that runs out, we'll have to deplete some of our business and then our personal rentals can hold us going for a couple months after that. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I have six months in reserves. Plus I have a whole nother account that's just for renovating my seller's houses. So I have quite a bit in there. Um, but I always keep it all time six months in reserves and then everything else goes back into my business. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I do too. I was just curious because they always say that, but I and I will, how many people really do. I will say something. I will say again, I sound like the freaking broken record, but I'm sorry. If COVID would have hit last year, Mm, September on, Eric and I, our, our business would be in the ground. We, we would be, we would be dead. Hopefully our property management company would have been keeping us afloat. But if COVID would have hit last year around September, Eric and I wouldn't have a business. And it was because we got lazy and it was because we were spending all of our money. All the money that was coming in was going right back out. We literally had no savings and it took us going through that, realizing, oh shit. So we went and we minimized everything. So again, if COVID would have hit last year in September, Eric and I wouldn't even be here. We Walk us through what you mean by minimizing everything. Like, did you sell things? Did you? So like, I'm, I'm bougie and I like my nails to be done. I like my hair to be done. I like my car. I like my things. So the first thing we did is we looked at our business and I, we said, okay, let's sit down. Let's go through our books. What are we paying monthly that is not giving us a return? And we literally just one right after the other, get out of here, get out of here. We took, at the time we had our property management company in one office that we were paying almost a thousand dollars for and in another office it was eric and i that we were almost paying five hundred dollars for so right there there's fifteen hundred dollars so we took we we took a bunch of cubicles in our upstairs office and we combined them together and we put our property management company 
and Eric and I together in one cubicle, we knocked off like almost $800 there. So, I mean, we, we went to our website and said, okay, is this, is this giving us a return? We literally went line by line and minimized everything. And it's amazing. Like we're saving so much money right now. It's ridiculous. We went from having to sell, having to sell 1.2 million every month to break even to down to about 700 a month. So if we sell 700,000 a month in real estate, we'll break even. So anything above that is just put it in the bank. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm so proud of you and thankful that you always are so candid and share this stuff with us. So thank you for that. That's like what a huge impact on your life because now you have more freedom to decide what you want to do next. You can do less, you can do more, you're lighter, you're more nimble, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's right. Right, there. right. And I'm, 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 don't get me wrong, guys. I stress, you guys know this. Like I message you guys and I stress the fuck out at times, but the big picture is, is we're okay. We're fine. Like if the business doesn't come flying in, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. And I'm good with that. I don't, I don't have to run and chase numbers anymore because that's what was stressing me out. I hate chasing numbers, even though we have to in this business, I just don't want to do it at that high volume. Like we were pressured to do in the beginning. I mean, I'm okay to chase numbers. I have to, it's my business, but I don't want to do the high volume. I don't want to stress out over it. So. But I think that this is something that's happening, like in the whole culture of the real estate business and an entrepreneur mindset like overall like it used to be grind and hustle grind and hustle and now people are like uh leverage is the new hustle lifestyle is the new hustle like fuck your grind why would i want to grind it out like there really isn't any glory in being the hardest fucking worker in the room anymore you know so like it really messes with me it messes with me bad like chris and i were talking about this the other day like I don't go to conferences. I don't go to classes because my mindset when I leave them is so bad that I'm in a tailspin for like weeks afterwards because all I see are these people that make me feel inadequate and terrible about myself because they're putting up more numbers than I am. They're doing more than I am. And then I leave with this like intense feeling of pressure that I have to be more and more and more. And that used to drive me. Mm -hmm. That used to make me wake up every day on fire and it would drive me. And now it hurts me. Same. So, like if I want to go build a team, if I want to go put up big, ridiculous numbers, I want to do it from a place of like, that's because I want to do it. Not because I'm constantly trying to like shove down this internal feeling of inadequacy. Like, I just don't want to do that anymore. Like I live a great life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with my life and I'm bored right now. So I probably will go and I'm pretty sure do something else and grow something because if I'm not building, I'm not in a good place. Like Angela said, like it really, that isn't good for me, but I want to do it because I want to do it for some other reason than that bitch in front of me put up two more units than I did. Right. Right. We're in the, like, that's so funny. Like, that bitch just did two more units than me. And I'm over here sitting like, 
how did she do that? Why did she do that? Instead of congratulations, bitch, that's awesome. Like exactly. Well, you know? and or like, how's your marriage? How's your home life? Right. How do you feel? Are you in a good place? Have you exercised lately? Do you feel good? Like, what is your life like? Because like we're obsessing over people and we don't even know what's going on. I know what's going on in their lives. It's not good. Like maybe yeah. there are a few out there that are, they've really nailed the way to do things without sacrificing everything else. But for a lot of us, it just comes at a cost I'm not willing to pay anymore. Right. Right. I the agree. only person I'm in competition with is me. Yes. That's, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And I'm hella competitive, but I'm competitive with myself. And what somebody else is doing ultimately has no bearing on me personally at all. Um, so I don't care what they're doing. Um, unless it's affecting my bottom line, I don't care. Um, and I think that that's something we have to keep in mind. The only person we need to be competing with is, is what we did yesterday and who we were yesterday. Um, so I stress, I stress out a lot, but I don't verbalize it ever. I refuse to verbalize it. I won't give attention to it because if I verbalize it, then it's real. And if I keep it inside, I'm not having to deal with it externally. So I, I absolutely distance myself from any negativity outside. Um, if other people are talking about it, I can't engage in it because for me personally, the second I engage in it, it now is real for me and I have to separate myself from it because that's my mindset thing that I can't get around. Right. And that's like a thousand percent true. Like for anybody who listens to that and doesn't believe that about her, like it's a thousand percent true. Like we were talking about all this shit as we all have. And she would be like, I don't, shit's fucking dandy in my world. Yeah. Because that was her reality. Like, because she wasn't engaging in the negative space that we were in. So I wish that I was more like that. I wish that I could keep it in and then it's not real. I I really envy that about you. Right. That's a double-edged sword though, because internally there could be a struggle going on that I won't deal with. I'll just compartmentalize it and not think about it and not deal with it. Um, because for me, it's not real. Yeah. Um, but I'm also probably not doing that in a very healthy way. But for me, that's, that's what works. So <laughs> is anyone in scarcity right now? Um, I, I would say that I'm kind of in scarcity right now because it, it, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, like it is like pulling teeth to even get anything under contract. It's pulling teeth to keep it alive and breathing during the transaction. It's like when, when it, like you said, you're pushing that ball up the hill and then two feet, you fall back and you have to push it right. Like that's literally what I'm doing with the 12 deals that we have under contract right now. Like I'm, it's like pulling teeth and it's like, is the rest of the year going to be like this? Do I have to keep fighting and being yelled at all the time? That's my scarcity right now. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm in scarcity on the seller side because of exactly what you just said. It's very difficult to get showings it's difficult to get an offer it's difficult to manage the buyer's expectations when the house goes under contract and my sellers are so emotional mm -hmm. 
that I feel like this giant sponge that's just soaking up everybody's emotions all day long at the end of the day. I want to cry. Well, why don't we go over and give a couple nuggets on how to win in, in these multiple situations? How are we, how are we teaching our people um, and setting expectations for our buyers? And how are we getting those, those contract acceptances when other people aren't? I mean, we're not seeing that in our market right now in Denver. So we're not. You're not seeing multiple offers? No, absolutely. No, dude. I literally at this point in the last couple months, I have to beg you to buy a property from me. And then I've got to beg you to keep it under contract. And then I've got to beg you to get it to closing. And that's why I feel so tired all the time. Like every deal is 15 times more work and more niched and more complicated than it was three months ago. It was a really, really fast shift. So no. Kristen, what are you seeing down there? Chris, so, do you have multiple offers? Yeah, so anything under 250 right now is seeing multiple offers. Um, if it's above 250 and there's multiple offers on it, it's because it's a gorgeous house and it's it's ridiculously priced. Uh, but anything under 250 right now is is a fight. Anything under 200 is is even worse. I have I have four buyers right now under 200,000 there's no inventory and then when when one comes up there's 15 buyers for that house and i i cannot get my people in and it's it's at a price where they can't go above they they can't offer above because they're capped at a certain price it is see uh, denver like we went through that three years ago so our average sales price in denver is five hundred and sixty thousand dollars now it's impossible like there just isn't any inventory under I don't know. What do you think, Jess? Four, four fifty. Like so, our, we've priced people out of our market. Our market grew too fast, escalated too fast, and now they're all down here, Lindsay. That's yeah. where they are. They're down here. That, no, that's afraid. exactly. He's fighting for the same house. All yeah. And then they're coming to Pueblo. So now, now people are all, figuring all out. People are going spring. to Pueblo. Yeah. Yep. And now people are figuring out that Springs' prices are starting to go up. So now they're coming to Pueblo and they're doing it to us. I keep telling everybody around me because everybody thinks in Pueblo that, oh, COVID hit. No one's going to sell their house. No one's going to buy. It's going to crash the market. I'm like, no, it's not. It, maybe, maybe two, three, four years from now it will. But right now in the next year, there's too many people moving here, driving up the prices. Not going to happen. All I heard was Trinidad, you're next yeah. for a housing market. <laughs> New Mexico after that. Right. I'm in New Mexico. You're up, bitch. <laughs> Raton. McRibs. Raton and their McRibs. They're up next. Yep. <laughs> All I heard. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's wild up here. But, you know, the trickiest part about a shift, if you've never been through a shift before, is in Denver, this moment right here, because what's happening is the sellers still think that it's this hardcore seller's market, and it's not. It started changing a year ago. And now the buyers have realized that it's changing and the buyers want more. They want the property for less. They want it to be reasonably priced and they want it to be in excellent condition. And you have just this fighting all day long because the sellers are like, no, it's still an excellent seller's market. And the buyers are like, bullshit, give me a sore line. So I just feel like it's fighting all day long. So how do you set expectations for your buyers or your sellers in a market like that? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's just explaining to them where the market is at. And I am a data and statistics person. So it's a lot of 
you don't have to take my word or my opinion for it. Here is actual factual data on what's happening in the market. And I mean, it's, it's tough out there right now with buyers. I mean, I don't work buyers, ask Jess. Let's <laughs> answer. But you don't work buyers? No, how do you manage buyers' expectations right now? Oh. Don't work with buyers. Um, so what I've been doing is on the listing side, making sure every single listing looks like it should be in a magazine and on the buy side, I'm saying, Hey, you're probably going to end up having to settle for something that doesn't look like it's in a magazine, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix it later for X amount of dollars. I'll make that kitchen look however you want. Um, so I'm doing basically reverse psychology on both sides. You know, I'm, I'm helping my sellers list a house that's gorgeous. Um, and I'm paying for that up front and then getting, I'm billing them at closing. And then on the buy side, if I'm working with a VA client, um, which I do a lot, um, with a VA loan, you can pay debt reduction. And part of that debt can be, you know, paying a contractor to fix their kitchen up or their bathroom up. So I'm learning how to leverage that and teaching them in the process how to, you know, get what they want out of a house to be able to buy for lower, um, but then go back and get them the, the dream house they want and the finishes they want um, for the price they want to pay, um, even under um, in a competitive market where people are literally fist fighting in front of the house to get the house. Um, I'm using leverage. I'm leveraging my listings with other agents. Um, if I'm on the buy side, I'll say, hey, who do you have coming up on the buy side that needs a house at X price? Because I've got this list of houses coming. Um, and yeah, we'll give you first shot at it. And we'll absolutely counter yours if we've got 30 other offers, which we might. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun for me because I love this type of thing. I like, um, when there's chaos in the marketplace, I think it's fun, um, to learn how to overcome those crazy objections and get your clients on either side, um, the best deal they possibly can. And the best way to do that is leverage on both sides. And that's what I've figured out, I guess, how to be good at in a market like this. I'm totally editing this out. But enjoy that crazy market while it lasts because pretty soon you're going to be sucking dick to sell houses. <laughs> Please don't. That's, what it's, that's what it's like in Denver. Is it not like that in Denver right now? Like, literally, we had a house that we start, Jess and I worked it together. We started it at 525. We just put it under contract at 455. And I negotiated that extra five grand, friend. You did. It was like a huge fucking win. Good job. So now they're coming in with a structural engineer. The sewer line probably needs to be replaced. And I'm like, I will suck your dick if you just close this fucking house. Like that. <laughs> Look, we've all done things we're not proud of to get houses sold. Tell me I'm not wrong. So On this, this house specifically, you are not wrong. So it's so funny because like Pueblo sounds like a mix of Colorado Springs and Denver right now. So like we get multiple offers and then we go under contract and then we get to inspection and the buyer's like, well, I'm paying so much for this house. And the seller's like, sorry, I'm not replacing the roof. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. And it's like, whoa, guys, come on. You got to like give here. So then deals are falling because of that. Buyers are overpaying for a house. Sellers don't want to fix anything. And it's like, like having to like fight to keep them going. And then they fall. And then it happens again. And it's like, oh, and even it doesn't even matter how much you explain to both of your clients how the process is gonna go, what the buyer's probably gonna ask for, what the appraisal's probably gonna come in at, they don't care. 
Mm-mm. They don't care. They don't listen to you. Mm-mm. I think the weirdest thing up here is in the last seven years, there's been no negotiating. Whether you are a listing agent or a buyer's agent, you would, if you're a listing agent, you tell the buyer's agent, this is what you do to win the offer. And that's it. Like there's no negotiating. There's nothing. So I feel like up here in Denver, most of the agents, I would say 60%, Lindsay, wouldn't you, gotten to the market in the last seven years. So they've never been in a market where they have to negotiate. So now we have these listings that are just sitting because they're still of the mindset that I can't write a lower offer. I can't ask for this because they've never had to do it before. So my opinion is the reason that things are sitting longer isn't because they're sitting longer. It's because we have a bunch of agents who aren't like, hey, let's just go in and try. And on all of my buyers right now, I have kicked the seller's ass up and down. Each one of my buyers that I've closed in the last four weeks, every single one of them has gotten money back at closing. Almost all their entire earnest money. We've gotten the house under list price. We've gotten every single thing on inspection done. And it's because I'm pushing the point that like, I'll fucking negotiate the shit out of it. Let's go. The, my, the sellers are tough yes. right now. Like they're, they're high emotion. Yep. They don't understand that the market's changed. And quite honestly, they're not financially prepared for the market to have changed. They should have sold two years ago when we told them to sell two years ago when it was the height of the market. And a lot of them bought two years ago when it was the height of the market. And now the equity just isn't there in the property, but it's a lot of conversations about we are in a different market than we were in two weeks ago. And it was different two weeks before that. And it's changing by the day. And, you know, I'm telling everybody you need to sell by fall because we will in Denver be 100% in a full blown buyer's market by fall for sure. I agree with you guys. I was just going to ask Angela, like, what did you, did I miss what you said that you're in scarcity in? Um, <clears throat> I feel like a dick because um, I'm, the only thing I'm scarcity in right now is my time. Um, I can tell you, I have not had the time to actually poop um, in probably <laughs> two months. So um, I'm, I'm in a different place. So I feel like a dick for, for saying that, but our market is crazy. Um, we have a lot of agents here that are not selling shit and that's because they aren't out there hustling. Um, you know, there's, there's probably a handful of us that are trying to catch our, our breath. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's like I'm drowning and I can't get enough water or air. Um, it's just, it's crazy down here right now. So I'm in a different, a different place than you guys are. Um, we're in the multiple situations on every house, multiple offers, way over asking price, you know, my struggles and my stress are, did I sell the house for enough money? Um, I couldn't sell it for more because some other agent had a shitty comp and they're pissing me off because they're underpricing the neighborhood. And so how do I get around that, you know, with appraisers, but those are my quote unquote, first world problems for Colorado Springs market. So you did um, say time. I mean, you did say time and all I yeah. heard you say during this is time, but in the next breath, like you're figuring out how to get your time back because you're leveraging and you're leveraging fast. The and best way I can. Point. Yeah. As quickly as I can. It's, I'm one that struggles too with, um, delegation big time. Um, so this is a big deal for me is finally hiring somebody to replace myself essentially with the stuff that I don't want to do. Um, I'm forcing that on somebody else and paying them handsomely for that. And that's something for me, that freedom that I felt like I'm not allowed to have that. And so I've never hired for that, but now I'm making myself more of a priority and giving myself more of that time back. And that's, 
um, something that I struggle with because I'm like, am I worthy of that? Why, why am I asking somebody else to go get groceries for me? Like I can physically go get groceries. I just don't want to. Um, but it's, I'm proud it's of you for me. <laughs> like, but like everybody. So everybody who's listening to this right now, listen to our pattern, Denver three years ago to present was hype rockin' being great. Now it's not the same, not it's great now, but it's leveled out, it's switching, it's pivoting. Colorado Springs is the new Denver. Colorado Springs is seeing the hype. They're seeing the multiple offers. They're seeing the crazy prices. That's gonna level out soon. Keep your eyes You know what I think is driving that a little bit? It's our market is a lot more insulated because we have a lot of jobs here that are paid by the government with military. Right. And we don't have the same um, people getting laid off and that kind of thing that they might have in other markets. We don't have that. We're a bit more insulated from that because the military just drives everything here. Um, the agents that don't know technology, that don't understand the military, that don't do construction, that don't do those things that they need to learn how to do. Um, are, are starving and the ones that get it aren't, um, we're thriving. And I think that's something that's going to be a theme in Colorado Springs for quite a while. While we might have more of a level off in pricing, it's right. still going to be kind of crazy here for quite a long time, I think, um, and, just because of that. And that's what I think so too. I think you guys are going to ride that train, at least in my opinion, my gut tells me two to three years, mm -hmm. but then it's going to start shifting down to Pueblo and that's okay. going to happen in Pueblo. And then it's going to just keep going. That's, that's my prediction, but. I'm going to move to Farmington, New Mexico, because that's downhill. <laughs> and they have, they have McRib sandwiches, too. Yeah. Um, I think that if Pueblo is smart and they put in some infrastructure in between Fountain, Colorado, and where Pueblo starts, they're going to start to see a big shift. Yep. Um, but okay. until they do that, it's a. I don't know what it is, but that 30 minute drive, there's some kind of like mental block with it that people are not willing to, to spend the time or the, um, the gas money to go down there. Same with Canyon City. Yeah. Well, Denver's certainly done the work out pricing people from the market, so they don't have much You're of a choice. Welcome. In Colorado to go <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so halfway through the year, I feel like we all started out the year a little like, yeah, I don't know what we're doing, where we're going how we feel. Here we are halfway through the year. Biggest aha moment for each one of you this year. Ooh. Huh. Dang, just with the hard questions. I know. Um, my aha moment of the year. My aha will have to be that I don't have to have an office. I can work from my house. And I know that sounds kind of like a little weird, aha, but I was the structured one that was dropping my kid off at school at 7.15 in the morning, in my office at 7.30 a.m., you know, left the office at 2 p.m. Like, I don't have to have that office space anymore. I mean, literally the only reason why I had that office space was because my son was going to school. And who knows, like, that's up in the air for me right now. I may or may not keep that office space come August when they go back to school. Um, I may just come back home and work from home. I have like a weird thing to say, just because <laughs> I've been sitting here listening to the three of you 
And I'm always the one that's like, I ain't going anywhere. I'm not doing shit. Like I'm the boundary one of all of us, right? Like I've heard Angela say she deserves to have some of her time back, right? Mm -hmm. Kristen has said she doesn't have to be as regimented and she can go home and she doesn't have to be so on point. And Lindsay is sucking dick to song out this. <laughs> you've, you've, the last like six to eight weeks too, like I feel like you've changed a lot too. I'm proud of you guys. Like I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm like, this one who works her ass off all the time and runs at mock speed, meaning Angela 24 fucking seven is sitting here saying like, I deserve to have a life. I deserve to have time back. Like, great. What? Like Lindsay is over here saying like, I don't have to sell 300 units a year. And if I want to do that, it's a choice. It's not because I have to like, I'm sitting here listening to the three of you going, y'all have changed. Yeah. Like, legitimately, yeah. like as your friend, y'all have changed a lot in six months. And I'm, and these are things I think needed to happen for each one of you. And I'm, I'm proud of you guys. Well, I'm sad and exciting at the same time for me is I don't know a life outside of real estate. So I don't even know what I like doing. Um, so trying to figure out what I like doing other than eating Snickers in the shower um, and having time to breathe. I don't know what I'm going to do with this free time now. So help me figure out what things I like doing. Cause Lindsay, I know is like playing golf now, which I, that's not me. I can already tell you, like, I don't want to play golf. Um, cause that's too much stress for me. Um, so, but I need to figure out what I like doing outside of real estate because this is my only passion that I've had for the last 20 years. I don't know anything else. So I have a friend who cross stitches really inappropriate things. We could, <laughs> do you know, I just bought something here in Ohio. Like the coolest thing that I bought while I've been out and on vacation is a cross stitch of this is my crack home not my crack house. Um, and it's a cross stitch of that. And so if I can learn how to make that, I'm in. Perfect. So. Well, we found a hobby now. Angela's going to make, those are all of your closing gifts coming your way. Yeah. Quilts. Months. Everybody's getting quilts with crack home on them. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Coming your way. Okay. Jess, so what's, what's your, uh, I don't really know the answer to that. I feel like I'm in a really, like, I can honestly say that at 37 years old, I feel like these last eight weeks for me specifically have probably been some of the biggest spaces of growth for me, um, as weird as it is, I feel like I'm calmer than I've ever been before in my life. I feel like I have come to a place where there's like so many things that are just not worth the fight anymore. Um, so I don't know what the aha for me would be other than these last 90 days have been fucking intense and amazing and wonderful and hard and like eerily beautiful in their own weird way for me in my life. And I'm in some like strange way, like super thankful all this happened because it really allowed me to take a hard look at, I'm not even talking business right now. I'm talking just as a human being. Yes. It has given me like, I don't know, I needed to have a reset. I think we all did. And I think that it has allowed me to take a really hard, ugly, nasty, shitty, ugly cry look at yourself and where you've really failed as a person, as a friend, as a daughter, as a mom, as a wife. Yes. The last 90 days for me. And I don't know. I just feel like for me, it's just been everything. Like, I don't know if there's one specific aha I've had other than like, man, you should do better. You can be better and you are better. 
And that's what it came down to for me. Yes. You put that, you put that head on. Exactly. And I think that's for the rest of America too. I think it was kind of a beautiful disguise with this virus hitting. I mean, it's awful. It killed a lot of people and it's awful, but at the same time, I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes and it opened up a lot of people's eyes on, you need to have that human interaction. You need to have that family time. You need to have, you need to put work aside and think about your well-being and your family's well-being before work. And I, I think hopefully that has opened up other people's eyes as it too. So it was a beautiful disaster. Last question for me, next six months, what are we talking about in December? What does your business look like on a per, in a perfect world that we're ending 2020, which has been a weird shit show? What does December look like for everybody? Well, hopefully it looks like my Christmas tree looks nicer than yours, Jess, because um, we are going okay, to be go again. World War II competition this year because I have a feeling I'm not going to have anything else better to do with my life um, than decorate the shit out of my house. So um, that's the only thing that's going to drive me in December probably is how many trees can we get up? How beautiful will they be? Um, And which one of us ends up looking more like Santa Claus between the two of us. So um, I guess I better get on Pinterest today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's get our shit together. Um, No, you know what? In December, my goal, um, I just started working with uh, Sheena Satum and um, John Pugh um, with a pretty big initiative, um, which is I want to be able to say that my company and something that I put my stamp on have provided uh, water for um, three different communities in Africa. And that's my obligation, um, working with Generosity Global to figure out how I can help um, in a much larger way. So you'll start to see that kind of thing come out more and more and more in my social media, uh, helping my community any way that I can and giving back within my own community is a, is a huge initiative that, that I've always wanted to have. And I just haven't known how to do that. And hopefully by December, I'll be able to accomplish that. So between now and December, um, we want to provide three wells and we're going to be contributing quite a bit out of each one of our closings to be able to do that. So all of our customers are going to be able to say that they had a pretty big uh, hand in that too. So that's something that will drive me and, and uh, my business for the next few months. And um, production wise, I don't worry about production. Um, I think that if I don't put my time into that and just figure out how many more people I can help, um, that my business will grow and thrive regardless. So that's, that's how I focus everything. So my numbers ultimately don't matter. I think that if I hit my goal, that'll be awesome, but it'll be more stressful, um, for me anyway, because then I'll have to hit a higher goal next year. So, um, that means that I have to learn how to hire more people and leverage myself more. And that piece is a little bit scary for me, but, um, having all these people on our show has shown me, you know, what I need to do and what the past should look like and what I do next. And so if I just follow that, it's, it's not as scary. Um, I just have to do it. So, um, then I can be one of those crazy people that we have on the show someday that, um, you know, has 30 people on their team selling butt tons of houses, but ultimately what matters to me is how can I, how can I leave an impact and what can I do? Um, and so that's been, fun for me to find that. And I've been watching those people, um, personally without our show, um, for years and years and years. And now getting a chance to be one of their founder circle people is uh, a pretty big accomplishment for me and a huge responsibility. And I take it really, really seriously. So I look forward to, um, making a global impact instead of just one on my community. 
cool thing about this conversation is that the four of us haven't really discussed this individually as a group, whatever, about the numbers thing. And really and truly, the four of us collectively halfway through the year have just decided, fuck the numbers. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a yeah. really interesting kind of growth thing that we've all gone through in our own weird way that the numbers don't matter to us anymore. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I would say like the rest of the, the year, like hopefully when December comes, so we were supposed to go visit my brother for Christmas last year, but because our shitty 2019 was so shitty, um, we had to cancel that trip. So I didn't get to see my brother for Christmas last year. He had just bought a new house in Austin and I couldn't go check it out. Um, so my goal is to see family by the end of the year that I didn't get to see last year. Um, and to keep my Zen. If that person is selling more houses than me, that's okay. If that person is doing more than me, that's okay. If I could still keep my Zen and still keep the lifestyle that I want to live, I'm going to call it a good year. I just think that people that are listening should hear that the entire reason on some level that we all got into this business in the first place was to be able to make this business whatever we wanted. And right. at some point, we each lost a little bit of that. At some point, we each lost sight of what it was that was really our life by design. And we were chasing whatever it was that we were chasing, um, be it things or status or numbers or being on top of lists or making it to some elite group. You know, we all kind of lost our way a little bit. And when people listen to this, I know that they will hear parts of what we say as we're so entitled because we're talking about parts of our career that we hate when people would kill to have the parts of our career that we're complaining about. Right. But what we're talking about is the fact that we each lost our way a little bit. And this year, for whatever reason, has been a year where we all have been forced to take the time to go back and say, what was that spark and that joy in the first place that made me do this? So I just hope that people that listen, keep in mind that the whole point is your life is by design. It's not somebody else's life. Do whatever you need to do to hold on to that joy and not conform to what anyone else thinks your business should be. If you want to conform to what you think someone else thinks your business should be, you should go get a job. Yep. Yep. And we've all done that a little bit. We've all lost our way a little bit. And I think we're trying really hard in our own individual ways to get back there. So I hope that the listeners lay down laws inside themselves that keep them on that way instead of losing it like we did. I would say too, success looks different to everybody. Yes. And the way success looks might change from one day to the next. It's not always a one-year goal or a numbers goal. Success might be, I had enough time to poop today. (laughs) (laughs) It changes and don't get frustrated. And, you know, we have all these crazy successful people on our show, but ultimately what matters is you could be that if you wanted to be, you just had to set your mind to it and follow the system and the plan that's already set for you. So not as hard as it might look so if that's what you want think long and hard about it because a lot of responsibility comes with success and a lot of stress comes with it too um but it's going to look different to every single one of us and every single one of you right 
I guess the moral of our podcast today is worry about yourself and your well-being before somebody else's because that needs to be right first before you can put yourself into the world and into your business. And if you lose your way, find someone that reminds you who the fuck you are and why you started in the first place, because that has been huge for me. Each one of you do that for me in the conversations that we have, because it's very easy to lose track. Right. All right, girls. Well, that wraps up another episode of the home girls. I hope you all enjoyed this. Um, again, if you need us, you can message us. Hope you enjoyed it. See you guys next week. Bye guys. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the home girls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.